Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the VR1 NFT Podcast, and I'm your host, and we are here live, baby. I learned the trick now. I said today was going to be strictly business, no feelings attached. See, you guys love the automotive content. So I have a fun-filled show for you guys. I have so many different things flowing through my mind. We're going to talk about everything, man. Everything, everything, everything. So I'm actually doing some research because you guys know I'm a serial entrepreneur. And what that means is that I'm always looking for the next investment. So I have a sinister plan to take over the world. And um, I'm going to do it by changing the world and becoming the world's greatest ever entrepreneur. So let's start with the fire. Like, you know, immediately. Like, you know, I, I, I got to my... My... Uh, recording studio, and I said, you know what, let's get busy, let's get right to work, you know, no F's given, how they say in my country, Um, let's cover everything, so let's take it one step at a time, we're going to unpack this, because remember that this is also part of the business, you know, just like I came up with the idea of basically shooting my music videos in a series sequence where I could break it down as a sitcom or as a series or documentary or behind the scenes and eventually into a film. Well, in the end, I could do an automotive review, which generates the most income on YouTube. Believe it or not, automotive channels generate the most per click. And, um, it's kind of weird because it's a project I kind of have been working on. It just didn't sequence out to be the way that I thought it would be. Let me explain myself. When I thought about the show, as far as like, you know, creating a YouTube channel and stuff like that, I have been doing research because I was teaching at the time. And um, I had a lot of cool classes where I was teaching about the automotive history and stuff like that. And then, you know, in between, I was kind of in that business, which I still kind of am. I still kind of do the the prototype testing for a lot of big companies. I don't do it all the time, but as much as I possibly can dedicate my time. And then it just kind of evolved into this, you know, should I do it? Should I not do it? How am I going to do it, et cetera? So long story short, right now, it's a great asset to have because I'm going to use it as an ability to scale the brand and my business. So, for example, as I'm doing this research, right, I get to share with you guys and I get to share with all my business partners and my colleagues. I get to create content, which is something I was going to do regardless. I needed to do the research for the business investment that I want to make. And all at the same time, I'm getting new ideas on generating multiple revenue streams because at the end of the day, 
what it comes down to is is very simple. This is going to make me a lot of money. This is going to be a great business. So I don't know if I should start backwards, but let's let's try to start from where we are today. So long story short, I have several businesses. My businesses are in a sense remote to what the standard markets are. So in every state or in every country, you have every every uh I guess market divided into different parishes or barrows or I guess communities. I don't know what, what one would call them, but everywhere you go they're they're called something different. So if we think about business, it's more or less just the actual market, right? Now, because I have multiple businesses, even if they're in the same field, they're in different markets. So I have to commute to every single market because I have to have boots on the ground, quote unquote. Every business from the beginning, before I take over a business to develop it and scale it and expand it, the, the, the output of the business, I have to physically, you know, go make the business assessment. I have to write the proposal after I already introduced a business plan and met with the ownership and the management, etc. So this is a complete process, right? And it, it, it takes a, a quite a bit of time. Obviously, the further I can drive out and return home, the more money I can produce because I can reach more markets and more businesses. Even though there's only five to seven days a week that I have available to do this, I have to make the best use of, of each interval of time. So long story short, I devise a plan and I'm thinking about the law of attraction. It's like a conflicting thought while I'm basically, you know, developing this business strategy. So I automatically think about Tesla. But in the beginning, it didn't start out that way. So allow me to reintroduce myself, right? So the thing about Tesla is that, first of all, I'm a previous Tesla owner as an individual. Um, at the time, it was a business decision which turned out to be a good one because I'm seeing that what I learned from that experience is paying off right now. Then, as a prototype driver, I had contracts to work for companies that were developing a lot of their systems. So, on top of that, as a businessman, I uh, was engineering um, very competitive products, very in the same vein as uh, Tesla. So they were actually my competitors in, in the business sense. Then, of course, with my military background in the Air Force, I've been promoted to the Space Force, which is, you know, there's a lot of high involvement with Tesla's other company, Solar City and, um, and SpaceX. So this is amazing to me how everything is coming back full circle so when i could no longer dedicate the time to drive the prototypes on a full-time basis the only other way i could do it was as an entrepreneur i had to start a small company 
that can facilitate services to the company Tesla directly, even if I used a sub-company to gain the contract. So I would be doing this basically with my own money because what I would be learning was worth more than whatever money I could generate, either working for them directly or indirectly. So I figured it would be a good investment, right? Well, due to certain permits that I was unable to secure and some that I'm still battling for, I kind of had to walk away from that. So a little bit of time passed, and then the opportunity presented itself. And I winded up developing five different companies, all under one industry, right? And they all kind of, uh, I guess, fulfill the same service need for, for many different companies. In this particular instance, it wasn't Lyft Uber, which does have a contract, obviously, with Tesla, but it was with Hertz. And Hertz has a contract with Tesla. As you all know, in Hertz, you can rent a Tesla. Now, I won't go into the full schematics and detail because, you know, you you have to have a, like a non-disclosure agreement. But basically, even when you're driving Lyft Uber and you are securing an electric vehicle, 9 out of 10 is going to be through Hertz and they're connected to both companies in very different ways. So without going into all the schematics and details, this is just to give you an idea and sort of a, a background, right? To, to give you an idea of, of where we're coming from. So all these things culminate when these contracts start to expire because most contracts with my company are like two to three months. Sometimes we'll go as far as four months, but rarely will we go over that time frame. So I have all the credentials. I'm ready to drive. But these companies have horrible business management. So they're unable to capitalize on the talent that they have in hand, being myself. For example, if you have 23 other drivers and I'm driver number 24 and I have more experience than all your other 20 drivers, there's no excuse for us not to put a program together for us to work together so you can extrapolate more data more effectively, more efficiently. Like that's opportunity. It's a missed opportunity, basically. That's an opportunity that they're passing by because they just don't understand business in that depth, right? Like they, they just never been beyond the surface of corporate America. If corporate America says, well, we need to toast some bread. They don't care if it's white bread, wheat bread, if it's whole grain bread. They don't even consider that you could toast an English muffin or a bagel or a toaster strudel or a Pop-Tart. Just to give you an example, their spectrum is so limited. It's so narrow because they're just pushing paper to collect a paycheck every few weeks. They don't care about the growth of the company. They don't care about, you know expanding they don't want a promotion they're just very uh passive aggressive you know they're aggressive with what's convenient to them so that you don't rock the boat and they're passive because they don't care to make a dollar more than what they made in the last five ten years so they don't care about growth period they just don't 
that shit doesn't even exist in their universe, right? So, long story short, for myself, naturally, even if I don't want to, even if I try to turn off the entrepreneur switch, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a businessman, um, which brings me to a, I guess it's a statement that Oprah made, or maybe it was part of a lecture or speech. There's a compilation on YouTube that it says, it's a three-hour breakdown, right? She said that she would fly overseas, and sometimes people would ask her this question. And at times, it would take her up to 5, 10, even 15 minutes to figure out how to respond to this answer. I mean, I'm sorry, how to answer this question, respond to the question. And people will ask her things like, so what are you or who are you? She said, well, I couldn't say that I was a, a, you know, a TV anchor, you know, or a reporter or an interviewer, right? Because she's more than that. She couldn't say, well, I'm a businesswoman because she's more than that. Then she couldn't say, I'm an entrepreneur because she's more than an entrepreneur. So what she would tell people, her universal answer would be, I know who I am and I am a child of God. That's so deep and powerful on so many different levels. And let me tell you, it's a great way to start the week. So again, I thank you guys for passing by. Please like, subscribe, share, do all that good stuff because it really, really helps. Um, it, it helps our 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 brand grow. Okay. So, long story short, my neighbor has the coolest motorcycle, as you can hear. Okay. So, long story short. That kind of impacted me so deeply because I can't say that I'm this and I'm that without saying everything else that I am. And if I tell you everything else that I am, I'm never going to stop answering the question. So it's not necessarily that we have to draw the line somewhere. It's more like we are so much more than the box that we're put in even when we put a resume together or a business plan or a proposal or a letter of interest or whatever you want to consider it. And in our society, we are so easily put into these, these boxes, right? So when I think about this opportunity, I'm thinking to myself, listen, the only reason why I wanted to drive the prototypes for Tesla and, and Polestar were to learn. That was the main reason. It wasn't about the money I was making. It didn't matter if it was through Lyft or Uber. It didn't matter if it was Hertz, Sixth, um, Alamo, Dollar, or any other of the of the rental companies or enterprise. It didn't matter if it was in Japan or in Saudi Arabia or in Canada or in the you know, Central America or the Caribbean, it, it didn't matter. What I wanted was the opportunity to learn. So it didn't matter 
anything other than me learning from the process and basically growing from the process. So I hope that you all can relate. You know, sometimes it's not just the bottom line, like how much money am I making here? It's what am I becoming here? How is this going to help me in the future and in the long term? Give me one quick second. Let me have a sip of my coffee. I've been letting it mix because they put some vanilla, uh, like a vanilla extract. And it's kind of stuck in the bottom. It was so super sweet. And I said, nah, give it a little bit. Give me one quick second, guys. So when I'm thinking about this business, first of all, one of the, 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 the company cars of my fleet is this truck. And this truck is not only my mobile office, it's my recording studio that's mobile and transportation. I'm having an issue with the other cars on my fleet, so I have to go to the default setting, right? I have This is the company car, I got to use it. Well, when I start looking for vehicles to expand the business, you know, there's a whole new market that I want to open, right? As far as my company's reach, it's only about 100 miles. Actually, it's, let me see, subtract six. It's about 94 miles from a market that I just developed. Like, and this growth happened within weeks, right? So I know the formula works. I'm like, yo, I'm 96 miles. I'm literally an hour and a half further from my farthest uh, achievement or goal for my business, right? So I started looking at compact vehicles, and I'm talking about subcompact vehicles. I'm talking smart for two, just to give you an idea. Um, there's a few other exceptions, but that's overall what I'm what I'm interested in. So long story short, I start calculating what the expenses would be for X amount of, of, of a time frame. Then I'm calculating distance, range, time traveled, and everything. And I come up with a few figures. Of course, I inflate them so I can have a, a an insurance buffer just in case, let's say, gasoline prices spike or something like that, um, including extra, extra insurance and stuff like that. When I do the math, I realize I'm going to be spending more on gas than on acquiring the vehicle in order to to put it into commission for my business. Remember, this is temporary. This could be a month to three, four months maximum, right? So I'm looking at the entire business venture as how much can I generate in these four months? And can I justify this expense? So when I start doing the math, I realize it is to my advantage to at least try to use an electric vehicle like a Tesla. Now, there are stipulations. Some of the base models, you know, have a shorter range. In order for you to unlock the, the maximum range, it has to be certain models. So I have to do a little bit more research. Me being a previous consumer of Tesla, I kind of had a basic idea, but it's been over four or five years since I really looked into it really, really closely. So 
I realized two things. One, it's probably going to be more affordable for me to use a Tesla. Number two, I'm going to have the learning experience and the learning curve that I was interested in having. The only difference is, is that now I'm not working for Uber, Lyft, or Hertz, or Sixth, or Alamo, or Dollar. To give you an example, in this case, I'm doing it for my own technology company. Then the light bulb goes off. Wait a minute. I can create the content while I'm traveling. I'm going to be on the road probably eight, nine hours a day. I'm not just going to sit idle in a fucking vehicle as I'm collecting data and, and learning without capitalizing on that time so i'll give you guys an example i'm idling in my truck this is my portable office this is my workhorse vehicle this is my recording studio for the podcast for the for the most part right while i'm having breakfast and i'm loading up on data for the day and i'm planning and strategizing my day I bring all of you guys along with me through the podcast. Now, think about me commuting for a few hours. What do you think is my uh, modus operandum? I'm going to record a podcast on my way to the business. And I am going to record another podcast episode on the way back. How can I magnify that? How can I amplify that? Very simple and very easy. What would I do? I would connect the internet to my Tesla and I would film my YouTube channel content simultaneously. So how does that work? First of all, for my entrepreneurs, whoever's interested in having you know, some type of YouTube channel, or you're maybe you're looking for ideas to create content, this segment is for you. So I'll give you an example. In my portable digital platform, I have two different versions, right? They both can connect to the internet. The mainframe terminal can go live. The smaller digital platform cannot. So now what happens? They both have cameras. I can use the small digital platform as a camera if it's more efficient and effective than connecting, let's say, a high-definition camera. Now, by me having a small digital platform that can serve as not only an internet terminal, but as an actual high-definition camera, now that can be connected to my main terminal, which also goes online and has the capacity to do a live you know when you do a live recording on youtube even before you splice it into a youtube short you still have the main recording the entire recording it's already automatically saved so while i'm recording the vlog what will basically be a podcast over youtube over the internet remember that the audio can be recorded separately for the podcast. Not only could I record the podcast live like I always do, 
And not only could I go live on YouTube and film the video like in real life, in real time, for for those audience members that want to see the whole process from creating the content to releasing the content, because remember that in the future, when our other audience is able to watch it, it'll be edited, it'll have graphics, etc. Now, for the podcast, it's a little bit different because I always record it live. And that's always been the signature of the podcast. But even when you process the actual video, you can basically extract the sound. And then now that formatted video is a formatted short. And now the audio is another podcast, but that podcast is fully formatted. I'm I'm paying for one service to edit the video. And as a byproduct, I get the YouTube shorts. And as a byproduct, not only do I get another podcast, completely different from the live video, completely different from the live podcast, but now I have YouTube short clips that can become TikToks or any other media that I desire or choose to select. But now these YouTube shorts have little small increments of the program. I can have a completely different podcast, part of a completely new and different network that is all part of my brand and my business. But now this one can just release the YouTube shorts as small audio clips. So I'll give you an example. From what I remember, it's similar to TikTok, and Snapchat or Instagram before they change the format. So you guys double check and I'll double check and we'll talk about it on the following show. But I believe it was between one and three minute intervals. I believe if I'm not mistaken, I think YouTube shorts can go a little bit longer. But that is excellent because not only can you release it on YouTube, you could put it on a different platform and all can be monetized. The key benefit is that you're not going out of your way to make a YouTube short or a TikTok. You are creating organic content like I am for my business, which is part of my business. It's part of the research. It's part of everything that I do, right? Now, the thing about it is, is that not only would I be doing this regardless, now it's becoming a new revenue stream. It's actually supporting financially the research that I'm doing for my company and for my business. So it's like it's a win-win situation. Like I cannot lose. So when I'm driving, I'm still going to be charging my digital platforms. They're going to be connected to the Internet just like my vehicles connected to the Internet. I'm going to be creating content. Why? Because I'm not going to fucking sit in the car for three, four hours and not do something business-wise. If I have to make a business phone call or receive a business phone call, I'm going to do it while I'm in transit. Why the fuck would I wait to get to my office after driving three, four hours when all my attention should be on the business? Why would I take away from my client experience, you know, when I'm trying to grow and develop and scale a business brand and expand and build on a business brand, why the fuck would I fuck that up by answering emails and phone calls and texts, etc.? 
I feel like there's a time and a place for everything. If I'm going to sit in my office for two hours and just respond to emails, that's what I'm going to do. If I'm going to sit in my office for four hours to make phone calls, that's what I'm going to do. If I'm going to spend an hour or two reaching out to my business partners, my colleagues, my peers, my friends and my family, my children, that's what I'm going to do. But when I'm in the business, it's all about my clients and my customers and my business partners. I do not use the word fucking employees. I think that belittles people. We're all business partners. We're all moving in the same direction at the same time. We all have the same goals. We all have the same dreams. We build this company while you're building your own company on the side. I'm the type of employer that's going to push you to explore your life as an entrepreneur. That you understand that whatever business we're involved with, it's only a stepping stone. And I, I pray that everyone uses this to motivate them to open their own businesses. And that's the agenda that I push in my company. Why? I don't know. It's just who I really, truly am deep down inside from the bottom of my heart. So I realize all these beautiful ideas are coming to me. And I'm like, I need to capitalize on this. I realized that not only am I saving about 23 to 28%, give and take, um, I'm actually opening up new doors and new opportunities because now I'm creating a revenue stream. And I don't even have a goal of, of revenue because this is something that's happening naturally and organically. This is not something that I'm forcing. I would do this research regardless. It just so happens that I'm driving a Tesla. It just so happens that I'm creating content before and after I get to the business. But guess what? I'm going to use that equipment to create content in the business. That is the marketing strategy. And it's organic because it's not planned. It's not part of a schematic. It's just natural organic creation for digital marketing. Why the fuck am I going to pay a company to do an assessment and create a package, a cookie cutter package for every business that I'm trying to develop? I still have to execute it. I still have to implement it. Why would I pay a company to do some shit that we can all do together? That makes no fucking sense unless it's beneficial to your business to hire somebody because you don't have the manpower or because you just are not interested in that then that's perfectly fine and understandable. But again, this is a wild card uh, example to give you an idea of where I'm at with the situation. Remember that my entire focus was, okay, I'm going to do this for about four months and I'm going to save X amount of dollars. And then all I'm going to do with that money is invest it into a different business. It's as simple as that. As a serial entrepreneur, Every business, product, service, trade industry that I penetrate, that I create a business in, I'm only going to take a part of my proceeds, my profits, and I'm only going to invest them in the next fucking business. It's fucking genius shit. Why the fuck would anybody in today's market, unless, you know, you need to start a business that's in the multi, multi million dollar range, right? But if... Your business venture is a few hundred thousand. You can 
generate that income by having multiple businesses that are, you know, 50,000, 25, 30,000, 10 to 15,000. There's even business opportunities, 5 to 10,000. If you can be successful putting a business together that's, let's say, fifteen to 40000 you can do the same with half a million dollars and a million dollars. And if you master that shit, a five, ten, fifteen million dollar business is bullshit. You got that. That's easy. Now, if you're talking about you need $200 million to start a business, well, that's some other shit. For example, I own a technology company. There's nothing cheap about the word technology when you're creating the shit, when you're the pioneer. You could copy the fucking iPhone after fucking Apple spends billions of dollars developing the shit. But do you have billions of dollars to create the fucking iPhone? Chances are you probably don't. So this is how all these elements work and this is how they come together. So the best way that I could describe this moment is is that this is a moment of growth for me because even my business partners are amazed. They're like, man, you know, you travel so far. Yeah, that's called fucking dedication. I'm exploring markets that most people are not willing to explore. This is why my business thrives regardless of where you put me. I'm going to be successful because I'm a fucking hustler. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not waiting around for luck to strike. Fuck that shit. I'm making my own fucking lightning. I'm making my own thunderbolts. I'm Zeus in this fucking shit. I'm fucking Thanos. I'm not Thanos looking for the Infinity Stones. No, I'm making my own shit when I make the Infinity Gauntlet. And I'm taking shit over with the snap of a finger afterwards. So, pretty much that's what it comes down to. So, I start realizing, well, if I combine what I'm going to spend in gasoline... If I combine what I'm going to spend leasing this vehicle, I'm still saving 23 to 28%. Now, of course, there's ways to influence the variables, right? There's ways to tweak the variables to your advantage. For example, I drive extremely professional. I am, by definition, a prototype driver. So when I drive a, a, a vehicle... This is not a civilian format vehicle. This is not a fucking um, $100,000 or $200,000 Tesla. This is a two or $3 million Tesla that I'm driving. It just looks like it's the $100,000 Tesla. You understand what I'm saying? So put that into perspective. Like the respect that I have for something as simple as driving tells you everything about my character because I have the same approach about everything that I do. Remember. I'm an artist. I'm a musician. But that's not all I am. I am a businessman. I am an entrepreneur. You know, I'm everything from a barber to a mechanic to a real estate developer to a franchise owner to somebody that understands precious metals and the markets and ETFs and bonds and stocks and, you know, precious metals combined with digital assets like I'm all about the fucking future. I'm a time traveler confirmed. 
I'm I'm gonna let you guys know that for the rest of my life. Like I don't think people understand what the fuck I mean when I say that. When I'm telling you I'm a time traveler confirmed, I am a motherfucking time traveler confirmed. I cannot do business like a fucking dinosaur with my mind in the fucking past. That shit doesn't work no more. Wake up. Coronavirus was a real thing. That shit really happened. It changed everything. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to fucking complain that shit is different. I'm going to get fucking mad and upset. Or I'm going to go out of business. No. My nigga. (laughs) How we say where I come from. Hell no. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to educate myself. And I'm going to work a thousand times harder. And if I do that consistently, the variables will always be to my advantage. Success leaves clues, right? So if I continue to follow these formulas and these new strategies, the law of averages is going to always help me win. I just got to make adjustments every single day. What can I do differently? What can I implement differently? Do I have to read a book? Do I have to take a course online? Do I have to study a class? What do I need to do? How can I grow, expand, scale my business every single day while the world is focused on the bullshit and everybody else wants to be sheeple? I'm like, nah, I got to be a maverick. I got to be an engineer. I got to think outside the box. How can I do this differently? Even when I cut hair, I cut hair in a business suit. I'm on another level. I don't charge what the average barber charges. Even though I'm an artist and I'm a musician, I do music. Don't think that I'm not also the promoter for the event. Don't think I'm not the the financier, the venture capitalist behind the investment. I hire myself. I work for myself. I just happen to bring all of you along in the ride because I want you guys to learn. This is the process of me making a company that's worth billions of dollars. I'm asking all of you to hold me responsible to that. I really mean it. Like the song says, there's no fucking half-stepping with me. There's no bullshitting with me. This is what I'm doing. So I'm looking at all these opportunities as opportunities to grow. I'm looking at these as opportunities to expand. I'm looking at these as opportunities to scale my fucking business. So guess what that means for you? This is your opportunity to learn from all the shit that I'm doing. So don't be surprised that I'm willing to drive three or four hours to secure a client or secure a business or secure a company or secure a firm. As much as you shouldn't be surprised that I'm doing it because it's a whole new market and it's untapped potential. But then again, don't be surprised that I'm creating content in order to expand, scale, and grow my company as well as the business that I'm taking over before I even get to the business. Don't be surprised that I'm creating content when I leave the business. Don't be surprised that I'm doing all my digital marketing and all my implementation of different business concepts for the growth of the company or the investment or the portfolio all at the same time. This is not what I do. This is who I am. I saw success very young in the streets. I saw success very young in the music industry. 
I saw success in petroleum. I saw success in being an entrepreneur. I saw success in, in technology. And once again, I saw success, greater success, in the music business. Now I'm driven once again by all those key elements, such as real estate. I know how to diversify my portfolio, precious metals, digital assets. The same way that people are trying to shit on NFTs, people are trying to shit on Bitcoin, not understanding what the fuck blockchain technology is, social, politically, politically, nationally, internationally. Fuck the price of Bitcoin for you dumb motherfucking people out there. Okay? Is the fucking network working? Is the only fucking question I'm going to ask you. Is the network working? If the answer is yes, you can never lose on Bitcoin. You fucking dumbass. If you understand how important your imagination is, you can never lose with NFTs. If you understand time travel, you can never lose with an NFT. If you understand what a public ledger is, and complete encryption, and fucking multiple keys, and whatever the fuck you own in your digital wallet, nobody has access to, I don't need to tell you anything else. In the same way that I tell people, when you invest in Bitcoin, your profits, you should be cashing out in gold. You invest in Ethereum, whatever your profits are, you should invest in silver. You have digital money, you have fiat currency, which is bullshit, and you have God's money. God's money is fucking gold, silver, and precious fucking stones. That's it. You don't like it too bad. You don't like the way gold looks or feels or what's done with the gold and how it's better for technology than for fucking jewelry. Oh, well. I can't help you. I can't motivate you enough to organize yourself and your business and your investments and develop your credit and use other people's money to get rich. It's free fucking money. From a certain standpoint, there's a documentary on, I think it's a Dateline. No, not Dateline. It's it's on uh, it's on PBS, and it's uh it's called the the Secret History of Credit Cards. I don't need to tell you what fucking program you need to watch if you're interested in, in getting your feet wet and building credit. It's using other people's fucking money. So I don't need to tell you to motivate yourself to invest your money in precious metals and digital assets and ETFs and fucking IRAs and 401ks and all that other shit and then leverage that credit plus that income plus your, your way of hedging those investments into fucking real estate. When I see commercial real estate, it's very simple. You know what I envision? High-end luxury condominiums. I refuse to look at a corporate building in the same way. I think that their structure, their architecture is beautiful. And I think that anybody that is able to afford to live in one of those places can have a fucking office at home. So fuck that bullshit that everything is remote and you don't want to be in the office. You just want to be home. Well, have both. Have the beautiful home and have the office at home. 
and anything outside of your office is remote. For example, my fucking vehicle. Why would I waste the time investing into a new market for untapped, unlimited potential to venture out so fucking far and take on the extra expense if I wasn't getting the extra benefit? Makes no motherfucking sense. Now, as each business is developed and it just so happens to create passive income and it's closer to home, that's a bonus variable that I'm going to be investing in, that I hope to capitalize on. But that is the nature of the business. That's the nature of the beast. What else can you do? It is what it is. A praying mantis is a praying mantis like a scorpion is a scorpion. I'm an entrepreneur. My fucking high is the thrill of the hunt, is the chase of the new opportunity, of the new business, of the new this, of the new that. That's what it's all about. You know? Do you know where you're going? You know who the fuck you are? Because I know exactly who I am. We'll be back in a New York minute. So now, let's put all of that into perspective. Let's talk more about the actual business, right? I'm looking at the opportunity. I'm looking for the potential. I'm realizing that if I'm spending 1500 on the lease for the vehicle, I'm spending 2000 in gasoline. Just to give you an example, right? Remember that this business requires the use of, like, you know, heavy equipment that the, the gas consumption is completely different. Give me one second. You know how a rotary engine kind of squirts a little bit of uh, oil in the combustion, just like a kind of like in a diesel engine and stuff like that, it becomes an added variable that unless you understand rotary technology, you're not going to get the fucking point that as it's burning, it needs to re-lubricate. And that's what maintains the system working in the first place or shit overheats. It burns the apex seals and it blows the motor, right? Well, it's kind of like the same thing. So, Think about it in the sense of, let's say, with a gas vehicle, right? Let's say I would spend, um, for conversations purposes, let's use 1100 right? So I pay 1100 for the, the lease on a, a gasoline vehicle. And um, like I said, I'm spending another 1900 in gasoline, right? We're at $4,000, right? Let's say by comparison... I can save $500, right? Or what? 25%. Am I correct? No. 10% would be 400. So I'm sorry, 15%. That 15% that I would have spent on anything else is going to go into an investment that I wouldn't even have. Okay, what if I say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy $500 worth of gold every month. For the first four months. For the second three months, I'm going to buy $500 of digital assets. Right? That's eight months. For the next four months, I'm going to invest into an ETF of my choice. I just acquired precious metals, digital assets, and some more fucking stocks to my portfolio. Just because... 
I saved on gasoline. So what happens when I add the force multiplier? Well, you know what? I saved a thousand dollars over gasoline because I figured out the most efficient route, the route with the least resistance of the wind. There's not that much traffic. It's more peaceful. Let's say some more local or rural route, whatever it is. Now, for the first three months instead of four, I can not only buy $500 worth of gold each month, I can buy $500 of a stock or bond or an ETF or whatever. Now I have four intervals of three months instead of three or four months. Now, for the second set of three months, I can also get, uh, let's say, Bitcoin, right? And I can invest the other 1500 into, let's say, a product or service that I sell online, like on Amazon or eBay. I have another wildcard variable just because. Remember, this is not taken away from the profit margin. This is not taken away from the revenue stream that the business brings in. This is just money that I saved. That I was going to spend no matter fucking what. If I have a fucking private jet. Or if I have a helicopter. I don't have a choice of how much the fucking the, the jet fuel is going to cost. Whatever it is, fill that bitch up. That's it. Wherever we going, that's where we got to fly. Oh, guess what? The airport landing fees... In this part of the world are, you know, instead of a few hundred, it's a few thousand. Oh, well, we got to fucking land somewhere, right? Can't land the fucking jet on top of a building, right? I'm not going to land on a cornfield, right? So what happens when you have an opportunity and you get to save that money? Well, let's follow the golden rule. The golden rule is get to the gold. Reinvest that money. That business income or that percentage that you take out every single month is supposed to be to reinvest it. I'll give you another ethical example. And this is going to be the wild card. So all my alumni, please pay attention and write this down in your notes. If I have a corporate event and as part of that event, I am celebrating my staff. And let's say that... <clears throat> the restaurant where I cater my pizza, this handmade brick oven roasted pizza, Napole uh, Napolitan style, as authentic as you could possibly get it, normally charges me $5,000 to cater this event. Normally, that's what it costs. Well, for some reason, they have a promotion going on. They asked me to put some banners up and a few stands, and they catered the event for $2,500, which is half, or even $3,500, which is a little more than half. The question becomes, what do you do with the extra $1,500 left over to $2,500? You know what I would do? I would order more food. Where everybody had two slices of pizza, now they have three or four or five. 
if I hit another jackpot and I hit another discount because I made another order so big, whatever that discount is, now I would take that and reinvest it into my staff. I would get them gifts, gift cards, vacations, trips, anything that I could do to add value to that event. Remember, I was going to spend $5,000 any way you slice it. Now I have an extra 1500 to 2500 Of course I'm going to buy more fucking food. Of course I'm going to get better gifts. After all, that was the budget for the event. That's what it cost me the last two to fucking five years. Why the fuck wouldn't I buy more food? Why wouldn't I give my staff more gifts? Why wouldn't I have a better display for entertainment and interactivity for the business partners or whoever's there from corporate or whatever the situation is? That money was going to go down the drain. Just put it this way. If I'm operating heavy machinery, let's say a helicopter or a private fucking jet, and the price of jet fuel goes up, oh fucking well, it's going to cut into the profit margins, duh, but what you going to do? Can you fly a fucking, can you fly a, a, a private jet without jet fuel? No, you cannot. Can my business sustain and survive? Without this equipment or this specialized training for my staff, can I afford not to read this book or take this this college course or this business class or whatever the variable is? There's going to be variables in business. That's rule number two. You got to be ready to take a few hit on the fucking chin. And what does Rocky Balboa tell you? It's not about how hard you fucking could get hit. It's about if you fucking could keep standing the fuck back up and fighting back. Can you do that? Because in business, you're in war. Business is war. It's not going to be easy to be successful. Now, I could be like everybody else in the industry and just say, fuck it. You know what? I'm just going to be like everybody else. Be a sheeple, bah, bah, and follow the fucking wave. Or I could create my own lane. Creating my own lane and my own wave is my motivation. It's my drive. I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to be vanilla ice cream. Nothing wrong with vanilla ice cream. I love vanilla ice cream. But can I at least be vanilla bean? Can I at least have a fucking black cherry? Can I please be different in somehow or some way? Why do I have to be like everybody else? I'll give you another wild card example. This will be wild card example number two. Give me one quick second. Let me have a sip here. Two of my mentors taught me so much about the haircutting industry. Okay? One guy is successful because he has up to 40 franchises, which I actually helped him develop. This is actually how I started this particular business. His best friend, which is also one of my mentors, I was blessed to be able to work with both. His success was to have one successful franchise, meaning a franchise built in one store. It started with one store and he moved on to a second location. And that second location is the one that's world famous. So I'll give you an example. 
with the first entrepreneur, he wanted to have a centralized store. He understood the power of marketing, which is what sets him apart from every other entrepreneur that's competing with him. Remember, both of these guys are multimillionaires, right? So as bad as people could talk about them and this, this, that, and the third, they have what it takes to back up all the all the shit that they talk, right? With their actions. We're not talking about physically or whatever. These are older gentlemen that they just do old school business, right? Okay. So, instead of spending thousands of dollars for a billboard on the side of the road, on the highway or freeway, or even on the main commercial metropolis street, where it's it's primal, it's primal market, right? If you want to, you know, rub shoulders with the best of the brands and products and services, right? Well, he looked at opening um, new businesses outside of the main store as a billboard. It was his way of penetrating the market, not just with another physical brick-and-mortar location, but more from a marketing standpoint because... Everyone that patronized the business would want to go to the main store. So he knew that he was building those other extensions, those other tentacles into businesses that he could sell in the future. So he didn't care that it was temporary because he was also focused on quantum growth. Quantum growth occurs when you create a business and you build it up to where the value um, can be sold for 10 times or, or more the EBITDA, right? What, what is valued, what it, what it, you know, brings in yearly. So to help put that into perspective, just think about that. He knew that his purpose was to open, out of 40 businesses, another 39 in order to build that one store. Now, with his best friend, and again, another one of my mentors, he never had to do that. He started in a place, the place used to make about 80000 a year. That was his rise to fame. Things didn't work out. He moved to a prime location and established himself. And when he did, he became a millionaire. He figured out a way to make all of his income times 10. He took that 80,000 revenue and invested the 80,000 and from 80,000 became a millionaire. What's the difference? The strategy is the difference. One focused on one store, the other one also focused on one store but expanded it with other tentacles, other stores. So at the time I was young, I didn't understand quantum growth. So I was against starting a company and then just selling it and handing the, the, the company over to another entrepreneur, which was only focused on making money. And, and I loved the brand and the products and the services. Well, that was a sign of immaturity. That was a sign of the times. It was a sign of my age. It was the lucrative misunderstanding of growth, the inexperience in business. 
you know, these were the wonder years. You know how when you're younger, there's moments of your life where you really thought you were grown. And then five, ten years pass and you realize like, man, I was a child. The fuck you mean I thought I was grown? Do you remember what I used to do with my taxes, with my commitments, with my word? Like, do you remember how reckless I used to be, how much I partied and all that shit? Just just think about this. If you take all the fucking money and time and resources that you spent just partying, just having a good time, every weekend, go out with the fellas, ladies, you go out with your homegirls, what if you have 15% of that money? You worked overtime to buy the fancy clothes. You maxed out the credit cards. Go into the events. You paid entrances at the door. You you paid for the VIP table. You paid for the fancy drinks and, 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 and snacks. You fucking had to pay to get there. You had to pay to get home. You had to pay for a restaurant. After. Just think about how much money you would spend. Let's say that your average income was $1,000 a week. And you purposely did some overtime to make another five, 600 bucks. And instead of spending five, $600, you spent 800. You spent half of everything that you made. So, you know, making $1,500 a week, let's round it off. You know, three, 4.5, 6,000 a month. 60,000 in 10 months plus another fucking 12, 72,000 a year. You pissed away 36 fucking thousand dollars. Let's say you did that for five to six years. Three times five, 15. So 30,000 for five years, you spent about $150,000. What if you had invested 15% of that? 10% is 15,000, right? So let's say you would have invested 25,000. And that 25,000 gave you 10% fixed for 10 years. Year one, you have, start with 25, you're at 27,500. Year two, 27,000. Plus 2,700, year two, you're at 30,000. Year three, you're at 33,000. Year four, you're at 36,000. Year five, you're at 40, 41,000. You just made 15, 16, 17, $18,000. And I'm giving you basic fucking variables. All right, erase that example. We're going to go with wild card example number four. What would you do today if you had thirty-six to $40,000 to invest right now? Do you invest in two $20,000 businesses, four $10,000 businesses, eight $5,000 businesses, maybe one $30,000 business and two $5,000 businesses, maybe one $25,000 business and three $5,000 businesses. Maybe you invest in a $30,000 business and a $10,000 business, but just think about it. What would you do today with 40000 
With inflation, I'm going to say it's more than that. After COVID-19, that 40000 would have been 100 easy today. Easy. Remember, this is 10 to 15% of money that you just fucking pissed off. That you could have paid for a book, a course, a class, a fucking training, something. You could have done something to better your education and your pursuit as an entrepreneur. But you popped bottles and you bought Versace and Louis Vuitton and Gucci and iPhones when they came out. You went and bought the Chrysler 300C fully loaded, yeah, 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 yeah. Not considering that the Charger was coming out, the Challenger was coming out, the Hellcat was coming out, etc. Look at my son. My son bought uh, he bought a Camaro, then he bought a Mustang, then he bought the new Corvette, and then the mid-engine Corvette came out. If he would have just waited a few months, he would have been good. He's had three or four cars since then. And all he had to do was allocate a fucking mid-engine Corvette. But when you're young, you don't think about shit. Long hair don't care, right? You think your hair is going to grow forever. You think you're going to be young forever. You think that, you know, you're going to just figure shit out in life and it's going to be handed to you and... Whatever challenges you have, you're going to learn in a college course. Well, life doesn't work like that. There was no college course on coronavirus. You say COVID-19 and people think you're talking about something completely different. And this is just to give you an example. It's like a beautiful woman that has no one to come home to. Or nobody to tell her that, you know, she's loved. It doesn't make any sense. You have the great career. You have the great income. You have all the credentials. You have the credit. You have the opportunity. And you still don't do it. Like, there's people, like myself, that would love to have the opportunity. That would love to have the credentials. That would love to have the credit. And are just praying every day for an opportunity. Why are you not going as far as you need to go in life? What is stopping you? I can't make up my mind right now about what sports car I want to buy. I just know I'm going to buy me a nice motherfucking sports car. And I'm all over the place. I'm between a fucking Lamborghini Revuelto and a motherfucking Mustang Dark Horse. I'm learning about myself throughout this process because I'm looking for every excuse to not make this work. And it's not going to work because deep down inside of me, there is something that needs resolution. There's something that needs closure. There's something that needs healing. You know, I lost my favorite car of all time. And I sold it to the most horrible, evil, cruel person I think my subconscious mind could have imagined. And it hurts me that I'd rather have giving the the car away than to sell it to that person. Just to uh, give you an example. Then I had a few of my cars to be stolen, to never be found again. And that hurt me because 
I was living some of the best years of my life. It took me so long to even be able to get them. And, and that was one collection that I had. And it hurt me so much that it, it just stagnated me. It made me not want to look at another sports car. I said, no, you know what? I'm going to focus on my business. And then I'll worry about that stuff later. At the same time, I used to motivate myself. And I used to say, well, I am going to basically... Um, you know, buy whatever the fuck I want after all these years. Well, now that time has come. And because of my conflicting beliefs, which is a self-observation, this is something that I'm working on and I'm working through as I'm explaining this to you guys. You know, I find it very hard. It's not even a money thing anymore. I can afford to buy whatever the fuck I want. You know, if it's before, after my tour, during my tour, if it's something more expensive than what I want to budget for, I just do a few more concerts. Done. But now I'm thinking differently. Like, I've moved on past certain stages. You know what I'm most interested in? Real estate. I'd rather buy another condominium overseas than buy a sports car. Even though the sports car was the motivation the whole time. I said, you know what? When the business is successful, I'm going to have this sports car. When the business is successful, I'm going to do this. And when the business is successful, I'm going to do that. But deep down inside, what I really want to buy is the real estate. And remember, I have to remind myself, I'm not a little kid anymore. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I've been a businessman since I was a baby. So it puts everything into perspective. One moment could change your life or it could stay the same. Now, when I look at a Tesla, I'm not looking at the data and the technology behind it. I'm looking at the learning experience. But now I'm not associating it with a corporate venture. I'm associating it with the growth of my own company and my own brand. So I'm so excited about taking the initiative to say, wait a minute. I feel like it's 2017. I feel like Bitcoins were just five, ten thousand, and now they're 20 grand. I see 100% growth. That's how I'm viewing this opportunity. Oh, man, but you know, the money I'm saving, I could buy precious metals with that. I could buy digital assets with that. I can invest that into more equipment. I could do this. I could do that. I could film the video. And take the sound and format it into a vlog or into a podcast. And I can make YouTube shorts and TikToks and etc. And all that's doing is giving me an extra revenue stream because I'm introducing new products to the market. But wait a minute, that's going to pay for the research. But wait a minute, that's going to help the digital marketing and the organic content creation for the businesses. So I'm getting paid to do what the fuck I love. And I'm getting to decide what it is that I love so that I can capitalize on that in the first place. And all this money is only going back to my real estate portfolio. Whether I'm doing music, technology, franchising, food, products or services, I'm selling shit online, I'm doing NFTs, it doesn't matter. When I cash out, I'm cashing out in real estate, gold and fucking digital assets. That's it. I'm hedging my investments with small businesses and franchises and products and services. 
and ETFs and, and IRAs and shit like that and stocks and bonds. It's not my main source of income. It's not my end-all, be-all. I'm still going to work. I'm still going to go to school. This process is never going to stop. I don't give a fuck if I got a trillion dollars. I am going to work my ass off for the rest of my life because this is not what I do. This is who I am. This is what I identify with. I like helping people. I like creating new products and services. You know, I like to be a maverick. I want to be an engineer. I want to be a pioneer of anything that I do. I don't want to be cookie cutter. I don't want to just be a barber or just be a rapper or just be a singer or just be a writer or just be a producer or just do franchises. Like, I don't just want a Popeye's. I want a KFC too. I don't just want a Taco Bell. I want a Subway. I don't just want a fucking Shake Shack. I want a McDonald's and a Burger King. And I also want a Wendy's. I want to do commercial real estate. I want to do residential real estate. I want to do vacation homes. I want to do Airbnb as much as I want to do Verbos. I don't just want to rent Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis out to my clients. I have Teslas now. I have fucking Hondas and Toyotas and Nissans and Mitsubishis. It doesn't fucking matter. I got fucking motorcycles. I got convertibles. I got fucking uh, slingshots. It doesn't matter. I am driven by the thrill of the hunt. I want to have a conversation and blow your fucking mind about everything that I'm into. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you two things. You could do it yourself too. You could do it even better than me. But let me tell you, all my success has come from God. None of this shit has come from me. None of it. If I fucking told you that all this came because of my beautiful mind that God blessed me with, I would be doing you a disservice. I'm telling you, there were moments in my life where I could have shit it on a fucking, on a stick, and it would have turned into gold. That wasn't because of me. If I needed to learn something, there was a book, there was a mentor, there was somebody, there was a product, a service, there was a company, there was opportunity. When I was doing film, and I was writing movies, I got a job at the fucking movie theater. My best friend got the job from another childhood friend, that we had, who became the manager, who got that person the job, who got my cousin a job, who got me the fucking job. And I have a million examples like that. Imagine you trying to learn about nutrition. Imagine you trying to learn about produce and, and, and exportation and exploitation and imports and exports and different vegetable varieties and fruits and grains and fucking nuts, right? And you just so happened to get a job at the supermarket. You were hired for the frozen department. You thought you were going to be fucking moving milk, eggs, fucking yogurt, etc., and they offer you some overtime. And you being a businessman or woman, you say, okay, fine, I'll do the overtime. And they transfer you to the fucking produce department. What are the chances of that? 
Then somebody leaves permanently the fucking produce department and you're offered full-time at the produce department, plus you still get to keep your part-time at Frozen. You want it full-time, but you got hired part-time. And you got hired for Frozen, but the law of attraction, the universe outlined that you wanted to learn about nutrition. And guess what? Not only did you get a full-time gig, because you went from one part-time at Frozen to two part-times, because now you had a part-time at fucking Produce, to not having a full-time job at Produce, a part-time job in Frozen, and guess what? They called you for another internship slash part-time at a fucking gym. But then the gym gives you a fucking referral, and you are essentially becoming a nutritionist because your internship happens to be at a fucking doctor's office where they focus on nutrition and and physical therapy. Do you think that that person that went to apply for that supermarket had any idea all that shit would happen? I'm that person that this shit happened to. And you only realize that shit looking back like, fuck, what the fuck did I learn? You ever had a job? Where you forgot how much you fucking got paid. You know when you're young, you're like, oh man, shit, five twenty-five an hour. They pay me six fifty. And that's what you think about at the time. But you look back and you even forget what the fuck you was making. I think every job that I think back as a kid, I probably got a few paychecks. I don't know what happened after that. But it was like a sequence. One job to the next to the next to the next. Now, what you look back and remember what you're able to retain. It's everything that you fucking learned in each one of those places. I remember I had a manager by the name of Pablo when I worked at McDonald's. One of the best fucking experiences of my life. You know what is the only fucking thing that I remember? Other than the brief little things that we all remember with the people that we worked with. Because I remember everybody that I worked with. You know what he told me? That stood above the excellent business school that McDonald's has. The management strategy. The brand that it is. I love McDonald's my whole life. And so does my whole family. Even though I boycotted them. Because, you know, with my mother's health, she couldn't eat it for years, right? Pablo would say... Quality. That's it. That's what he blessed me with. And he used to say it in Spanish. You know, Puerto Rican, you know, but grew up in New York. So Spanglish, you know, we speak half English, half Spanish. And he would say quality to get your attention, right? So you would stop what you're doing. And then he would say in Spanish, calidad. Calidad. In Spanish, it's more like, I got your attention by saying it in English, but now I'm putting you into a groove. It sounds like a musical sound or a musical note. Calidad. It's like you're going up and down a mountain. So now, when I was creating a burger, quality. Not too much lettuce, but not to the point where it's not enough. Not too much sauce, but to the point where it's just right. Or a little bit above and beyond. 
Let me take the extra few minutes or seconds to make sure that my presentation is good so when the client receives their food, they say, wow. Let me tell you something that I had as an experience today. So I go to McDonald's and I order my coffee. I'm at the Starbucks, by the way. So I get a caramel iced coffee, a large one today. Two ladies help me. One takes the order. One lady processes the payment. And then another lady delivers the food. Those two ladies, from the lady that processed the payment to the lady that gave me my food, were so nice. It changed the dynamic of my day. I believe that if you win the first hour, you win the day. If you organize yourself that very first hour, this is another reason why, and a trade secret, why I do my podcast first thing in the morning. I record in the afternoon. I record at night sometimes. But it's so important to get these positive thoughts flowing. I'll give you another wild card for today. Let's look at our counter. Okay, we're almost done for the, for today. Um, I was having a conversation with my business partner, right? It's a childhood friend, very good friend of mine, my best friend, my, one of my brothers. And I was trying to explain what I conveyed to you guys about both of my mentors, you know? Mr. Figano and Mr. Geraldo taught me so much about business and life. Like, these guys were fucking ruthless with me. But what they did essentially was create a fucking monster. I have to thank them for all of the headings that they gave me. They tried everything. Like, I was in competition on a, on a small scale, right? I was in competition with multi-fucking millionaires. And I fucking beat them in business with just my relentless pursuit of excellence. That's it. It didn't matter what they did, how they did it, when they did it, where they did it. Like, they literally made me a legend in the industry because it got to a point where I diminished what they could do to them just talking bad about me. That's it. I destroyed them to that point. Then I did one thing that most people don't do in business. Remember, business is war, right? I showed them mercy and grace. As the years passed and other people betrayed them and they lost their their empires, right? Guess who was there to help them get back up? In other words, I already had taught them this valuable lesson, right? I already had my victory lap. I already won. You know what I did in my position of power? 
I helped them regain what they had lost. They came back even stronger. But I taught them the most valuable lesson. There's enough for everybody. And if they came back stronger and if I helped them, what do you think that did for my franchise and for my company? My company grew. And we're not talking about a few markets in one state. No, my company grew to about five states and multiple markets, including the market that we spoke about in the first segment. So it puts everything into perspective. It puts everything back into focus. It reminds me of who I am. Remember, this all stems from a conversation I had with my business partner. And I was unable to convey so many messages because the timing wasn't right. I think that we tried. And I know that we'll have a meeting in the future where we can unpack this. But remember, once I record the podcast, all of you guys get it. Everybody on my network automatically gets the podcast. So not only is it a source of entertainment, but it's also a way for me to communicate with my entire company because we have to also monitor and manage all the content that we create. So those are all your wild card examples and I hope that it will help you in whatever you know venture you actually were able to uh to put together. So now very briefly in our conclusion let's talk about organic content creation in the business. These particular business examples are the examples that I'm working on right now so let's talk about it. So I have a few new barbershops and salons, right? For for my Infinity Republic franchise. For those that are diehard number one fans, right? You got you guys haven't heard Infinity Republic in a while, but the business is still thriving, right? So what is organic content creation? It starts with peeling back the layers. One thing I learned in the petroleum business from Ahmad, my business partner, and Ziad, which were my business partners at the time, for brothers, if you go to New Orleans, you see any brothers, I am one of the original brothers. Billion Dollar Company, I built in 19. Um, 35 gas stations when I left the business, three were mine. And the business grew 120 times um, EBITDA within five, ten years, something like that. Well, I want to put this into perspective for you guys, right? And and I got so emotional that I kind of lost my, my, my train of thought. Sometimes in business, this happens. Yet you have to find a different way or a different strategy to achieve your goals. So, I never knew that I had this potential or this opportunity. It just so happened that it fell in my hands. When I, when I became part of that company, I was only making $7 an hour. For me to make $700 without overtime, I had to work 100 hours a week. 
So just like college, it taught me how to wake up early every day and be there every single day. Now, in the petroleum business, this was our business model. When we took over Easy Surf, which went bankrupt, which was the number one competitor to 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven just crushed them in the South. And I'm, I, I'm blessed to have worked with the Donald Trump of the fucking petroleum business and the Donald Trump of the automotive business when I worked for Ray Brandon and shout out to Frank Garner. Um, peeling back the layers started with the actual parking lot. Every time we bought a gas station, we would have the parking lot worked on, like cleaned, everything painted, formatted, parking spaces in order, you know, from the pumps to removing all of the fucking advertisement that the corporate America companies do, we basically removed all of that shit, right? That's layer one. That's what people see when they're driving by the business or when they're interacting with your parking lot. Number two, all of the fucking advertisements all over the fucking windows and doors and panels in front of the store and on the side, removed. Then, inside the store, we removed all that shit. We reorganized all products and services. I actually designed a whirlpool system for the aisles where our products were. It was like a vortex when you got into the store. And you could literally go through every aisle walking in from the entrance to get to the cooler and you had every opportunity to pick every product that you potentially could have wanted or needed. So visibility was important and the key to our success because we didn't just sell gas. We had chicken. You could cash a check. You could pay your utility bills. We had alcohol. We had tobacco. We had sports drinks. We had sodas. We had cold beer. We had chips. We had everything you could fucking imagine we had in there. But the way that it was formatted, even the candy, you know, when you go into a convenience store, there's a thousand different candy brands. No, we went with the classics and we put them in the aisles and we didn't bombard you with a thousand products in front of the fucking register. We get it. Supermarkets do it. Most gas stations do it. We didn't have to do it. But that taught me a valuable lesson. So now I apply that to barbershops and to salons. What is my main concern? Parking lot space. Why? Because when you're super fucking busy and super booked, you need all the parking spaces you can get. And you really can't recreate those. When you select a business, when you're doing research for a business, you got to factor that in from day one, number one. Number two, how does the business look outside? How does the business look inside? How does the business look around where the franchise is? So if I'm going to create organic content, what am I going to do? I am going to do a visual representation of the first point of contact. So I'm going to film a video of what it looks like to drive past the establishment. Because I want the consumer to associate themselves driving by the establishment. But unlike looking at, at the business on the surface you have more of a context to actually understand what is behind the franchise name or the construction of the brick-and-mortar location or the parking lot when you approach the business. I'm going to film a video 
inside of the business. I'm going to show you step by step from the moment that you enter the door to the moment that you interact with everyone in and within the store. I'm going to show you the products and services. I'm going to show you what the bathroom looks like, the waiting area looks like, the receptionist area looks like. I'm going to show you what um uh all the products and services look like when they're applied to a client um etc. That's all organic content creation. That's all going to be part of the promotion and marketing of the business. Because I'm showing you the McDonald's inside. Beyond the golden arches. Now when there's clients and products and services, I'm going to show you those procedures as well. That's going to be part of the digital promotion and marketing. That stuff is going to be on Facebook. That stuff is going to be on MySpace. That stuff is going to be on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, LinkedIn, everything that we do. Every time that we create something, all of these things will be posted online. I'm going to introduce you to the entire staff. I'm going to give you links and hyperlinks and hashtags to everything that we do. And in my downtime, that is exactly how I'm going to do all of my digital marketing and promotion. That's how I'm going to do it. I can give you comparisons to other franchises. I can take all the data points from every other competitor in that market and show you why we're better. And the more I do this continuously and consistently, the more I'm building a portfolio of a demonstration. So what better business card than a digital business card when I can link it to an email? when I can link it to a text that we send our client base, when it becomes more than just a place to go get your haircut. Now it becomes a lifestyle brand. This is the next level shit. What happens when I show you why I drive a Tesla and what I do in the Tesla creating content on my way to the business, how I create the content in the business and how I create more content on the way home? What if I show you me in the office putting the video together, editing the video, putting the audio out and everything else? What if the barbershop or the salon has its own podcast and vlog and YouTube channel and website and online digital store? Now, it doesn't have to be a barbershop or salon. It could be many different type of businesses. But this is to give you an example of the unlimited potential in all things that you do. I don't care if it's a restaurant. I would do the same thing. I don't care if it's a clothing store. I would do the same thing. I don't care if it's a furniture store. Or a hardware store. I don't give a fuck if it's a thrift shop. Whatever fucking business it is. I'm going to create content. In that market. Within that market. About that market. What if I just drive around. To all the businesses surrounding my business. And I interview the owners and the staff and the clients and the customers and the products and the services. What if I just create a network? What if I buy a Kindle Fire and reprogram it and give it away to all my neighbors in my shopping center? And every time I create content, I link it to all their social medias. And every time they create content, 
I link it to all of our social medias. Now I have 20 businesses in a shopping center promoting for my brand. And this is how the West was won. Organic content creation. You are the engine and you are the brake. This is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for passing by. I would like to wish all of you to have a wonderful day. May you conquer everything in your path for today. May everything that you touch turn into solid gold. Always remember to dream big because dreams come true. It happened to me and I know for a fact It's going to happen to you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. I love you guys so much. Please like, subscribe, share. Let everybody know we're the hottest fucking podcast in the world. Real life business, real life artist, real life fucking entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur. I'm into so many different kind of businesses. You know, sometimes it's funny when I tell people like, you know, I'm famous, right? You know, I'm a celebrity. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, so why are you doing all these other businesses? I'm like, well, you got to diversify the portfolio. Can't believe the movie. You can't think, oh, man, you know, I do music. Oh, shit, I'm the fucking biggest thing on earth. No, you got to keep going. Like I said, I'm going to work, you know, until I'm a trillionaire and then some. That's my goal. Legacy goal. That means so much to me. The thrill of the hunt. You know, the changing my shift in my perspective and trying new things and not being afraid to fail. I'm putting it all on front street. I'm letting all of you guys know each one of my goals, everything I'm learning throughout the process as I'm doing it, because this is not what I do. This is who I am. Thank you so much. And I love you guys so much. And we'll see you on the next one. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Venom R1 Business Podcast. And I'm your host, and this is your home, and you guys are always welcome to be here. God bless.